Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with that sat in your chair, I've got you. If you want to become a legendary leader for the team you lead, hit me up and hit me up soon. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Matt Green, Chief Revenue Officer for Sales Assembly. Matt and the Sales Assembly team provide the first and only scale-as-a-service platform for the most exciting B2B tech companies in the world. In this role, Matt works with some of the most successful sales leaders in the world, helping them scale at record-setting paces. Sales Assembly is growing really fast, and as a result, Matt's perspective on what high-growth teams are doing to win, it's never been more important than it is right now. Earlier in Matt's career, he served in leadership roles in both the Fortune 500 level and the boutique investment level in investment banks where he led business development teams and sometimes served as the interim head of sales for multiple portfolio companies. Matt's experience and perspective with high growth organizations is unique. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have him join us today. Listen, we are in for a real treat today. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Matt, welcome to our show and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Rob. I'm, I'm pumped for this. So I appreciate you having me on today. Can't wait, man. I mean, it's hard not to be excited to have you on when you look at what's happening with, with Sales Assembly. You guys have turned a lot of heads. You've certainly uh, turned my head. It's been fun to watch you guys grow and do some interesting things. Why don't we start with that, Matt? Why don't you just introduce our listeners to Sales Assembly and, and what you guys do for your members and your customers? Yeah, Sales Assembly, we are, as you mentioned, a scale as a service platform built specifically for B2B tech companies. And we're fortunate enough today to work with around 200 or so B2B tech companies. These are Series A venture-backed, publicly traded companies, everything in between. And what we built here at Sales Assembly is we've sort of condensed what we believe every revenue leader at one of these fast-growing B2B tech companies needs in order to scale. Uh, So what we provide to these companies is training, education, development for their entire go-to-market organization, sales, customer success, marketing, ops, enablement, et cetera, to the tune of 150, 200 professionally facilitated training sessions every year. Uh, We provide access to talent, We have a full-time recruiter on staff who sources candidates for our member companies to hire without paying any placement fees whatsoever. And we also have this really robust strategy component where on staff here at Sales Assembly, we have a head of enablement, a head of revenue operations, a, a chief strategy officer, where if you look at their respective backgrounds before coming here to Sales Assembly, you know, they led similar roles at companies like G2, LinkedIn, Sprout Social, Glassdoor. These are folks that are on call 
uh, in a sense, for our members' needs as they come up. And we also have this really cool community component as well. And we deliver all of this in a really frictionless annual membership model that candidly costs a lot less than hiring a speaker to come in and pump up your team for 90 minutes during your upcoming SKO. I love it. And I can see why you're growing so fast because when you're in high growth mode, sometimes you're going so fast and you're working so hard with your head down. You got these blinders on. For those of you that aren't seeing the video, um, I got my blinders on right now. I can't see to the side and we get this tunnel vision. And tunnel vision, I think sometimes is important for a sales leader to have, but it also sometimes can come back to bite you. So is it fair to say that you provide some of that perspective and the resources to help them get that perspective so they don't have to invent everything from scratch? Yeah, in, in, in a big sense. Uh, a big part of our thesis behind launching Sales Assembly uh, back in 2017 is regardless of the product that you sell or who you sell it to, if you're building a fast-growing B2B organization and you check under the hood and you look at how you're doing a lot of stuff that you're doing day in and day out, it's pretty much the same from company to company, right? I mean, of course, nuances are being afforded depending on the complexity of the product, let's say. Um, but at the end of the day, if you are a head of sales at a company like G2 or a head of sales at a company like Sprout Social tell, selling two completely different products to different people, fundamentals are similar. The challenges that you face day to day are similar, um, albeit different scale, depending on the size of the organization that, that you're working with. So providing that type of opportunity for sales leaders and salespeople and customer success leaders and customer success professionals, so on and so forth, to connect and collaborate with each other while learning at a regular cadence has proven to be pretty valuable for the companies that we work with. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into a couple of the words that you already mentioned, but I'm going to make everybody list, wait for like two more minutes before we dive in and we give you the meat, man. Um, I always like to ask our guests, Matt, especially I can't wait for this with you because your background's so interesting to me. A little bit, how'd you get started in sales? I, you know, just at a high level, just a couple minutes on what made you choose sales. I, I found most of us are kind of accidentally involved in sales. We didn't plan on it. We didn't get a degree in it. We didn't grow up saying I'm going to be a salesperson when I grow up. But once we get into it, we become intentionally successful, right? I'd love to hear a little more about your story there. Yeah, it sounds like um, I'm, uh, we're, we're kindred uh, spirits in that regard. Like many people that are in sales right now, I didn't mean to, to get into sales. Um, studied criminal justice in school wow. uh, with the intention of actually working for an organization like the FBI afterwards. Um, you know, the as I presume happens to a lot of people, day that I graduated, I woke up um, and I decided, hey, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, so not knowing what I wanted to do, you know, I was thinking back to even my when I was a teenager, you know, I've never worked a job that wasn't in some way, shape or form um, based on some level of commission from a compensation perspective. And, you know, one thing led to another is, is, again, you know, especially being someone that didn't really have a whole lot of direction in life, the types of roles that were available to me were sales roles, right? And, you know, my first foray into the professional sales world was working for a financial services organization that, you know, was very similar to uh, an environment that, you know, that you may have seen in a movie like Boiler Room, right? Where, you know, yeah. they hire, yeah, hire a whole bunch of people at the time no salary, 100% commission. Here's, you know, here's a phone, here's a phone book, here's a desk, go make it happen. 
Um, so that's how I got started in this business. And, you know, I think more through brute force than any sort of discernible skill or talent, at least compared to a lot of my peers in the space, I was able to have a, a decent measure of success and everything just sort of grew from there. I love that story. I appreciate you sharing it. And uh, that led you into a, a number of great experiences. And now you're working with some of the the most exciting sales organizations in the world. It's got to be a, it's got to have been a fun ride, man. It, it's definitely been fun. It's been uh, a, a lot of twists and turns. And, you know, again, like, like anyone else who's been sitting in a relatively similar seat of being an entrepreneur, um, you know, that twists and turns are, are the name of the game, but um, candidly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I, it's a cliche, but I like to think that I thrive in these types of uncertain environments, which is candidly why, uh, you mentioned my background at the top, working for fortune level organizations um, didn't really appeal to me too much. That's why intentionally, actually, after having my first son, um, a lot of people do this in reverse. Um, I made the conscious decision to say, hey, I don't very much enjoy this stability. I don't like this stability. Let me go and do something that's a little bit more unstable. Um, and, uh, and since then, yeah, I've been, I've been a happy camper. I've been loving every minute of it. Well, I can't wait to dive in. So let's get after it, man. You used some really important words when we started, okay? You've seen at the investment banker level, uh, helping people grow. You've seen now as an entrepreneur, you're now working with some of the most exciting, fast-growing SaaS companies in the world. Uh, we got several thousand sales leaders that are listening to this conversation right now, and they're going to have similar challenges to the ones that you're helping your members with right now. Um I want to go to a word that you talked about early on. Uh, you talked about you, you build community uh, for leaders. I, I think that's really interesting that you help build this community for sales leaders. You bring them together and you've shared a little bit with me about that. You share what's working. They talk about what they're up against. I want to ask you this question because you told me this is something that's really popular for your leaders. Yeah. How important is it for sales leaders to have places to turn, communities to turn to, resources so it's not just said, holy shit, what do I do to figure things out? How, your perspective, how important is that? My perspective, keeping in mind, it's just one man's opinion. I think it's critical, provided that you're a sales leader that values feedback. I mean, of course, I'm sure you and I both know a whole lot of sales leaders that believe, uh, whether they're correct or, or otherwise, that they know the answers to every question that they're ever going to have. And, and that's great. Um, believe it or not, those types of folks tend to not find a whole lot of value in what we do here at Sales yep. Assembly. But for the vast majority of folks who I believe um, are looking at this through a much clearer lens, I think that having this type of outlet is critical. Being able to lean on your peers that, again, are, are dealing with the exact same, if not very similar issues that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Being able to have that community to leverage the expertise of folks that have either been there and done that or in the process of being there and doing that at the same time as you is extremely valuable. Yeah, because I think that sometimes when we get hired as a sales leader, we feel this responsibility that I need to have it figured out, right? That's what they hired me for. I've heard that many times. You know, I I coach sales leaders and you're right. There are some that say, hey, man, I'm supposed to know this stuff already. And I think that the reason that that's concerning is many times we only base what we do on either what was done to us or what we've successfully done before. 
And that's a way of putting those blinders on because we're not seeing what's happening with other people with great success. And I think what you alluded to, it doesn't matter what industry you're even in. You know, the challenges are similar. And when you're trying to, to lead teams, there's such power that comes in perspective. And if you can start peeling those blinders back, even just a little, it, it gives you options to say, how do I take this and apply it to me? And I found at least that the sales leaders who do that intentionally seem to have more success. I mean, what would you, what have you seen as it relates to that? Yeah, very similar. I mean, I, I firmly believe that um, that the, you know, the, the attitudes and the competencies that make up some of the best sales leaders in the space are really no different than the attitudes and the competencies that make up some of the best entry-level BDRs or SDRs in the space. There is a sense of self-introspection that you need to have. Um, there's a sense of just knowledge around what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, understanding that nobody is going to have all the answers to, to everything. Um, I mean, when, when you think about it, you, what is the, the likelihood of a brand new sales rep on your team? He or she walking in the door and saying like, no, 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 I got this all figured out. I don't need any help. Like, just let, let, let me do my thing. You know, the, the tenure of that person, even in today's hyper-competitive market, it's probably not going to be very long. It's not that different for a sales leader. Right, especially with the level of responsibility that some of these sales leaders have, that you know they have um, dozens, if not hundreds, of people within their organization relying on them. Knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at, knowing when to ask for help is going to be critical. So when you do this, you built a community. You get people on these calls that you have each week, and they're sharing things. Have you found that when people start to realize the power that's there, that becomes something that they schedule? Like, I'm not missing that. Like, what, what have you seen happen when, when sales leaders get switched on to this community and the blinders coming back in perspective? You know, what do you see happen to those, those people? Because you're seeing it firsthand, right? Yeah, we're, we're seeing it firsthand. And for context, every, every Thursday morning, you know, we, we do host a, a standing Zoom call. We're very big proponents of live interaction. We don't really like asynchronous communication, especially uh, for the purpose of sharing ideas and best practices. So every Thursday morning, we host a standing Zoom call with all the heads of sales in our community. And we host similar calls for the heads of CS, the heads of marketing, but also the BDRs, the AEs, the CSNs, et cetera. But on, on these heads of sales calls, what we've noticed, um, especially for folks, so to answer your question, yes, when people start coming, they tend to stay engaged long term. Um, and what I love observing are people that are new to sales assembly. They are joining these calls for their first time. Um, you see that they enter the call with this sort of wall up. That, that you alluded to before, where it's like, okay, well, I'm a sales leader. You know, we just raised this big series B or series C. You know, I'm a VP of sales CRO. Like I should know answers to all these guys. I don't want people to think I'm stupid or anything. Um, but then two minutes into the call, they see a head of sales of a publicly traded company ask a question that they know the answer to, right? And they chime in like, okay, well, I'm going to be helpful here. Then they see, oh, oh, wow, the head of sales of this company, I use their product. They're phenomenal. You know, they just raised a $500 million round and I'm able to answer questions that this sales leader has. So it, it immediately, once people get involved in these live group calls, the, the wall starts to crumble down in front of them saying like, okay, well, if I'm able to help the head of sales of this company that went public two years ago, 
right? And I'm reading all this positive news about them. Like, sure. I mean, I'm realizing pretty quickly that nobody has all the answers, myself included. And that's when they really start getting comfortable with that type of environment, raising their hands. And now we just have all these conversations, again, on a weekly basis where there's no agenda. All these heads of sales, dozens at a time, just populate on a Zoom call. We open it up by saying, what do you all want to talk about today? And we tend to fill a good hour just by people ping-ponging questions and answers back and forth. What are some areas that when you work with these high growth sales leaders, are there any kind of common traits that as you work with these ones that are highly successful and and good at staying current? Because you didn't say that. I put that word in your mouth, but that's kind of how I'm interpreting what you're talking about is this concept of staying current. Is there something that you see that are kind of attributes of people who who are good at doing that? Because I loved your added, your analogy of the SDR that comes and says, get out my way. I got this. I got this on lock. That person, it's almost humorous to say that, but you're dead on that. I've not thought about it that way. A large number of sales leaders do that very thing. And so I, I love your perspective. I want to dive into it. If we can, I want to sit on this yeah. and say, what are some of the things that these sales leaders do? Because I, we got a lot, of, we got thousands of sales leaders that are listening to this conversation, and I hope that they're going to get their pen out, right? And they're going to start making a checklist of, you know, self self assessment. Like, are, am I someone who will do this? Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it, you know, it, it, at a high level, in a general sense, it is uh, you know simultaneously a thirst for knowledge, you know, sense of curiosity, but also, especially when you see larger companies, publicly traded companies going into these rooms where you have the heads of sales of series A and series B, you know, earlier stage companies um, and asking, targeting them specifically, like, Hey, I I want your feedback on X, Y, Z topic there, you know, there's a whole ton of value. And I presume a lot of people can agree that if you're leading a large organization, being able to gather feedback from your counterparts who are leading these younger, more nimble, more innovative organizations have less bureaucracy, right? Um, Around things like compensation plan design, again, in this hyper-competitive talent environment that that we're in. Um, Around things like culture building, where we're still operating in this sort of pseudo-asynchronous environment. Um, Around things like, you know, back tops, you know, whatever the case may be, that, that's what, again, going back to what I mentioned a few moments ago, excites me the most um, and puts, you know, biggest smile on my face, listening into these calls every week, which, you know, which I, I do as well as other people here at Sales Assembly. We do religiously for a number of reasons, make sure that we're on um, on these calls on a weekly basis to overhear all of this feedback, all these questions, all these challenges that, uh, that these sales leaders are throwing out there. Um, being able to just... Uh, have, have that thirst for knowledge, collecting that knowledge, again, not only from who you would naturally presume are your counterparts, publicly traded company, the other publicly traded company, but again, intentionally going after these younger, more nimble organizations saying, hey, tell me how you're solving for X, Y, Z. I like that. And and sometimes for a sales leader, that can be hard to find those places, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's why an organization like yours is so interesting and so helpful. I I. I want to stay in this, this lens for a minute because I want to ask you a question. I'll get your perspective based on one of the things I, I, as you know, I, I coach a lot of sales leaders and I just had a conversation today before I got on this call with you with a really senior 
level sales leader. And before that one, I had someone that was relatively new as a sales leader. And the new person wanted, hey, what are the things that everybody's doing, you know, that I should be doing soon so I can just start doing them right away and I don't have to figure them out over time. And the other one with the senior guy was, I don't want to get caught in a rut. I feel like I'm doing too much of the same stuff. It's really interesting how those perspectives are different. I, I see you smiling. Yeah, people are on the call. I don't see the video. You're smiling like you're ear to ear on this one. So you're seeing that too. Can we talk a little bit about that? Let's talk about that word perspective. Maybe that's what it is. Sometimes I think it's hard for leaders to get perspective. How important is it? How do you get it? Can we dive into perspective for a minute, you and I? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And pers- I'm a big fan of perspective, both in work and, and in life. And when I say big fan of it, big fan of the importance of having what I believe to be um, proper perspective. Um, and again, you know, just like, curiosity, just like self-introspection, sense of empathy, having perspective is critical um, at at any stage that that you're at, whether you're in leadership or production, whether you're an entrepreneur or, you know, W2 employee. Um, Yeah, would love to hear some questions for you. Like when you talk about perspective, diving deep into this topic, um, what's most interesting to you? And then, you know, again, maybe I could take some of the, you know, some of the, um, the, the signals that, uh, that, that we're hearing from these conversations that we're having. Yeah. The reason that one of the reasons I asked that, I don't know if you know, Keith Rosen, Keith's a good friend. And, and I think maybe the best authority on sales coaching that I know. And um, he shared a stat with me not too long ago and he shared it publicly on LinkedIn as well. So I don't know where it comes from, but I know Keith well enough that I'm, I'm comfortable sharing it. If that makes yeah. sense. He said that since COVID hit, of companies have identified that they have changed their process of buying things. Yeah. Only 13% of companies have changed structurally how they sell things, which is interesting. Okay. But it got more interesting to me that it was only 5% have changed how they lead those teams. Yeah. And so again, I say, okay, that is an indicator to me that we don't have enough sales leaders getting that perspective. They're doing what they've always done. Right. And, uh, and so your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, yeah. I see where you're going with this. And yes, there it's, it's easy to blame this, um, on, uh, on COVID on the, you know, on the, the pandemic, um, and all the uncertainty in the air, but, We've been living in this per, for close to two years from what I've seen. We've been living in this perpetual yeah. sense of reactivity. Yeah. Right. Where, um, you know, it, at the beginning, it is understandable. Hey, two weeks to stop the spread. Right? You know, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be back in the office by, by late April. Um, and then, you know, late April turns into, okay, well, September 1 of 2020. And then September 1 is like, all right, January 1st, 2021, definitely. Right. And, you know, a, a lot of organizations, and again, we're having these conversations in real time where organizations, leadership at these organizations were planning their entire business in two to three month increments, right? Because it was just getting from June 1st of 2020 to September 1st of 2020. Um, and it, it took some of the you know, it took some of the more successful organizations or maybe I'll, I'll turn that around. 
the most successful organizations that I've seen that, that have been able to make these pivots that have actually changed the way that they're leading their teams to your point before they're the ones that very early on just threw up their hands and said, you know, fuck it. Right. Like we're, we're, we're not, and I apologize, you know, if this You're not safe work nope. anymore, um, uh, that they said, we're, we're not going to try to, to time this, right. It's kind of like trying to time the stock market. What's the point? Um, we are just giving up on these two to three month plans. And yes, we understand that as we send out these surveys, people want to get back to the office, they, they, they want to get together. Let's presume that that's never going to happen. And then they started building the internal structures and systems in order to lead and develop these teams in a completely new environment, a completely new paradigm that they weren't used to and that no other organization, for the most part, what was used to at the time. Um, those are, are the companies that probably comprise, you know, that, that 3% or that 4% metric that, that you had mentioned a few moments ago. But everyone else right now is, is still, to this day, to an extent, in the process of playing catch up. So my opinion on this then, Matt, especially as I listen to you, and again, I feel like it's somewhat informed. Um, I don't have 200 organizations that I'm working with like you do, but I have enough that I feel like my perspective is 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 worth sharing with you. I think this perspective thing is hard. I think it's interesting to talk about, but harder to execute. Do you think that it needs to be an intentional thing or do you think that it's something that you can just kind of pick things up as you go about your business? Um, you know, I think that like anything else in life, um, can you get by, by picking it up day to day? Um, absolutely. Do you want it to be as successful with, um, you know, while at the same time building something that's minimizing the level of stress, de-risking as much as possible, then you have to be intentional about it, right? It has to be a well thought out, uh, well laid plan, so to speak. And again, with the environment that, that we've been operating in, organizations, many organizations, again, not all of them, but many organizations that we've seen um, just haven't really sat down and taken the time to put pen to paper, so to speak, and say like, okay, well, here's this fundamental shift that we're intentionally going through. What they do is they make, you know, these small incremental changes, again, very reactive day to day. And then they look back six months later, it's like, oh, wow, you know, our our culture and our processes have have changed a little bit, right? Um, You know, through no intentional design on their own, more often than not. Um, But fortunately, again, it seems like many of these companies, they're, they're trending in the right direction. But again, it's just taken some of them longer than others. I know that sometimes, you know, and and I don't want to rip on anything, like your organization is one that I think is something that's an obvious, great place to go. I'm a big fan of what you do. That's why you're here with me today. And thank you for joining me. But what I mean, there's a lot of other places that people try and go to get insights and perspective. I'm thinking of LinkedIn as an example, that there's so many kind of quote unquote self proclaimed experts that you have, you have to wonder, like, does a leader have to be careful where they turn for prospective help? Is there any kind of best practices you could share? Obviously, you've brought up your organization. I'll endorse your organization. I hope that you'll have people check out your organization. But what are some other, like, are, are there any, like, advice you'd give? Hey, if you're going to be in the in the world of intentionally trying to get perspective, and I liked how you said that, it's got to be intentional. You got to be purpose-driven. I think there are some times I found people like 
trying to give advice to walk roads they themselves haven't ever walked. And that's always been a head scratcher for me, Matt, you know, yeah. uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, well, to your first point about LinkedIn, you know, I'm, I'm extremely online uh, on LinkedIn and yeah. So I, I see firsthand, um, especially in our ecosystem, there's a lot of people that erroneously equate follower count or engagement on posts. Um, yes. Like, okay, well, well, this person knows what they're talking about. Now, to be clear, a lot of people that have a ton of followers and get a ton of engagement that are some of the smartest people, in my, you know, my opinion, some of these smartest and, and uh, well thought out individuals uh, w- within the ecosystem. Um, but correlation, of course, like anything else, doesn't always equal causation. Uh, what advice would I have um, outside, naturally, selfishly, of reaching out to sales assembly and saying, hey, yeah. how could I get involved here? Um, would be instilling it and it goes back to to uh you know part of the conversation that we're having about five or ten minutes ago that you need to have a sense of vulnerability you need to have a sense of self-introspection and hopefully what that would lead to is you reaching out to somebody anybody that you know that you trust saying hey i need help with this um if if you're not if you don't believe that you're going to find value and being part of an organization like Sales Assembly, that although we're not a community, you know, we have this really cool community component that we've been talking about, but, but there are some other really fantastic communities out there for salespeople and for sales leaders. If you're not going to make the decision to get involved with one of those, you should at least be able to build your own sort of small personal network of mentors. Right. People that have been there, people that have done that. And again, you know, one of the things that, that we've noticed in working with as many companies as we do is that everybody within the, at least not everybody, but the folks that, that we, um, that, that we're in touch with, which we like to think is a decent sample size, they're, they're always going to be more than happy to help. Right. So you'd be surprised if you reach out to someone who you respect on LinkedIn. You know, somebody that, you know, regardless of their follower account or the engagement on their posts, you're looking at his or her experience and you're just like, hey, wow, I bet that I could learn a lot from this person. Um, I personally, in my experience, I could speak to this, reaching out to people that I don't know and saying, love your help with something. You know, that works wonders, right? So if, if you're in a spot where it's like, hey, community, you know, joining sales assembly or any of these other, you know, true communities out there, not really the, the best fit for me. Um, reach out to people, whether you know them or not, that you respect, where you're looking at, at their demonstrated credibility and experience and ask for their help, right? When you ask people for their help, more often than not, in my experience, they're going to be more than willing to give it to you. You're right. There are some good communities out there. And <clears throat> I am obviously interested in yours. Uh, you've shared some stuff, but you're right. There's some other really good pure communities. That's all they are as yeah. a community. That's all they do. And there's some good ones, but I'm glad you brought up mentors. We've only got you know, 13, 14 minutes left. I, I, I'm really, I was hopeful you were going to bring up mentors for our listeners. We don't ever script this show. We always just let it go where it goes. And that's one of the reasons why people I think like it is for better, for worse. Yeah. It's, it's authentic, yeah. man. It's, yeah. it's real. So you brought up mentors. I was hoping you're going to bring that up because I think too often, you know, we look at getting a mentor as maybe something that we do earlier in our career. And um, I have found for myself personally at every stage of my career, mentors have been really important. I have mentors that helped me as I got started in sales. I had mentors, a different mentor that helped me as I became my first sales leader. I remember the first time I was a sales leader and I was 
I was a horrible sales leader. I, I, I made so many bad mistakes and it took a mentor to, to like be willing to say, Rob, let me tell you why you suck right now. And yeah. that was important for me. And then when I became a vice president and a senior vice president, and then a CEO, I, I intentionally went and found different mentors to help me in those roles. And, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Any, I mean, especially when you said, don't be afraid to reach out to people about that, asking for help. People have done that to me. I've done that. When people have done that to me, it's flattering. I'm like, if I can do it, I want to, you know what I'm saying? Any, any, any like thinking in your mind about picking mentors, finding mentors, like any insight around how do you do that? Because I think that's a really important deal for a sales leader. Yeah, I think that um, low-hanging fruit, of course, is trying to choose mentors that are outside of this bubble that you've created for yourself. And oh, you know, the easiest way to do that is to pick a mentor. And I, I presume that for many people, this would go without saying, a mentor outside your organization, a third-party dispassionate. Um, always nice, especially if you're a sales leader, to have a mentor that knows a little bit about your space or your product. So if you are a sales leader or a salesperson that sells a MarTech product for example, it's like, great, you know, go and find someone that at the very least speaks a similar language. Um, Where I found a a whole ton of value, not only in professional development, you know, as as my career has advanced, you know, such that it has, but also personal development um, is being intentional about finding mentors that have absolutely nothing to do with the space that I'm in or what I'm doing day to day. Um, you know, one of the most valuable mentor relationships that I have is, um, with a, uh, you know, with a CFO, um, you know, one that has had a, a number of, you know, exits of various kinds. I mean, you know, sales and taking companies public, et cetera, knows nothing about sales. Um, uh, at least, you know, knows very little or a little bit less than me, if that's, you know, if that's even possible, Um, but, uh, you know, just from a, you know, a pure analytical, someone who, if you lay out like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking, here's wow. Or here's how I'm thinking about it. Uh, as you mentioned a few moments ago, someone that that tells you like, Hey, no, this sucks. That's a stupid idea. Like, why the hell would you do this? Um, to me, that is just as, if not more valuable than having yet another sales leader as a mentor, right? And again, I'm not saying that if you're a sales leader that having other sales leaders that are further along in their career or maybe just peers of yours isn't gonna be valuable. They absolutely are. Um, But don't feel the need when we talk about removing the blinders, when we talk about broadening your horizons. um, Don't feel as though you're beholden to only leveraging the expertise and experience of people that are in your exact space, because even if they're not part of your organization within that bubble that we spoke about before, these are people that in many different ways are still going to think like you, right? That they're still going to have uh, similar shared life experiences as you. And that's going to inform for better, or for worse, the feedback and the guidance that they give you. Finding people that have different competencies, different experiences, different life experiences, uh, those folks could be just as, if not for more valuable to you than having, you know, the, the 18th sales leader mentor in your network. Matt, you are so, I'm so pumped. You said that dude. Um, I think too many times we hire people only because of their industry expertise, or yeah. we want to gravitate to people because of that same industry. And if there's one thing I've learned in the last few years 
is diversity is a really important thing. And, it, and a lot of times that's about gender or race or other things like that. But I think it's way of thinking too, right? Yeah. Diversity way of thinking, because if all we're doing is what all the other people in our industry are doing, then pretty quickly we'll get that. We'll all just be the same. But it, I have, I agree. I've seen it time and time again. What I see somebody doing in one industry, when it's adopted by somebody in another industry with their own tweaks and their own flair and their own, their own way of doing it, it creates competitive advantage because nobody else is doing it yet. And if there's one thing I've learned, Matt, how you lead, in my opinion, is your most defensible competitive advantage. Products get copied, pricing gets copied, all kinds of stuff gets copied, but how you lead your people, that is tough to copy, man. Yeah, it, it is. And, and to your point about diversity, that you know reminds me of um, that there's a, a really amazing CEO, uh, Amanda Lannert here in Chicago. She leads a company called Jelly Vision. And I know the company well. Great company. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jelly Vision's fantastic. And if you know not only about their success, but just the the quality of people that they attract and retain year over year speaks volumes to um, you know something that that Amanda mentioned when she was speaking in front of a group that we had put together, I think about two years ago. And I know that she said this in other places, but regardless, um, you don't hire for culture fit, you hire for culture ad, right? You, you don't want to hire people that went to the same school as you, people that like, oh, this person reminds me of me. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, and in many ways, you should think you should have that mode of thinking when you're talking about, okay, what kind of, if I'm going to build a network of mentors, if I'm going to build a support network, um, think about it in that way. Who's going to add as opposed to fit within this network that I've already created? So I want to start wrapping. we got about 10 minutes. We're going to do our rapid fire stuff at the end like I do with everyone. And we're going to let you kind of put a bow on everything we've talked about. <clears throat> but as this show goes live, it's going to be early in 2022. Uh, I wanted to have you be early in the year for a reason. I, I think your perspective on... Um, what leads to high growth isn't just going to be meaningful for high growth SaaS companies, though a lot will be listening. There's going to be a lot of listeners that are listening to this that lead teams of all shapes and sizes that want to have high impact, that want to have high growth, that want to be difference makers. Can you put like a couple of thoughts together, like going into 2022, here are some things that you should start doing if you're not doing that will help you be perspective, build that perspective, that will help you start to remove the blinders and peel them back, that will help you continue to, to adapt and grow and improve as a leader. Because this concept of intentional improvement, I think this is, this is what success in 2022 is going to be about. I think it's not about growth hacks. It's not about the, the latest and greatest sales tip. It's about wherever you are, how do I get intentionally better as a leader or as a rep? Now, I'd love your thoughts on, on just a couple of things that sales leaders might say, hey, as you go into 2022, here are some things to think about and start doing if you're not doing them yet. Yeah, I'd say biggest one would be ask for help. Um, sounds simple enough, but this is something that candidly I've struggled with um, throughout my entire life, both personally and professionally. You know, even to this day, I'm still the mindset of, oh, no, well, I, I should be able to, to figure this out. And I'm making a concerted effort to try to get better at that, again, both on the personal and, and professional side. So keeping it w- within the realm of, of, uh, of the professional side, um, ask for help more often 
than you did in 2021, right? Even for small, seemingly insignificant things, because you, you know, you never know um, what best practice, what new leadership tip, what mode of thinking you may pick up. Um, number two, I, I'd say is find a way that you could consider this sort of an extension of number one. Um, try to create an environment where you're doing more of what you're good at and what you enjoy and less of what you're not good at and what you don't enjoy. And, and this ties back to some that you mentioned at the top of this conversation where a lot of the sales leaders, they feel the need um, to, uh, to be a jack of all trades, so to speak. And you know, not only is that not sustainable at, at a personal level, um, it will lead to burnout. It will lead to lack of enjoyment um, in, in your day-to-day job. And, you know, I'm, I'm targeting this, especially to, you know, let's say the frontline sales leaders, you know, maybe taking his or her first step into a leadership role, like, okay, I really got to impress the, the higher ups. You know, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to make sure that I own this entire thing. No, from day one, you should be, again, having a sense of self-introspection. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not good at. I need to find a way to build a support structure to leverage resources that we might have here internally to take all this stuff that I know, you know, I'm halfway decent at, at best. I need to get that off my plate so that I could be uh, spending more of my time, being more intentional about doing the things not only am I good at, but that I enjoy doing day to day. It's going to make you a much better leader when you look back 12 months down the road. Those are two good things. And, Matt, I'm going to be honest, that second one, that might be, if all you did is that second one is fall in love with what you do, make sure that you, I love that. Our our top downloaded episode from 2021 was a burnout expert. He came in and he talked about burnout. Everybody wanted to hear about it. Garland Vance. It was, it was amazing. And he, he talked about finding joy in what you do. And so I'm so glad you said that lean to your strengths you know, create new strengths, but I love do the things you love. And if you don't love what you do, find something new, man. Right. Yeah. Lean, yeah. Lean into your strengths, but just as importantly, embrace your weaknesses, own up to the fact that, Hey, I'm not going to be good at this. Right. And what, whatever it may be, you know, you, you may think like, Oh my God, well, this is going to be super critical to my role. Especially again, if, if I'm talking to a relatively new frontline leader out there, who's in his or her first leadership role, you know, the, the, the higher ups at your organization, they, they promoted you for probably a series of good reasons. You being the best at everything is not even on the list, right? So, so good. All right. I, I love that. That is a great way to wrap this thing. So let's go to my rapid fire. Three questions really quickly. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Hit me. Here we go. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge you see right now and how do you beat it? Uh, war for talent, uh, war to attract and especially retain talent in this market. Um, how do you beat it? Oh, geez, God, if, if I had a dollar for every time I, I was asked that, um, I, I'd say, you know, as much as it pains me to say, you got to overcompensate uh, financially. It's just the, you know, it's the reality of the situation right now. Um, you really need to double down. You, you can't half-ass culture in this asynchronous environment. So you're going to have to, as much again, as it pains me to say it, it'll pain you to hear it. You're going to have to pay more than you were a year ago, two years ago, and it's probably not going away anytime soon. Um, And just getting by from an internal culture and career development, that type of perspective isn't going to cut it. 
Love it. Number two, really great one. Thank you. People, as they're building these teams and this war for talent that you talk about, do you have like a go-to interview question or a go-to like interview topic that you're looking for when you're hiring people? And what is it you're looking for when you do that? Oh, God. Um, good question uh, that, that I always like to ask is, um, you know, it's along the lines of what, uh, what don't people know about you? Right. You know, what, you know, what, what do you want people to know about you that maybe they think otherwise? Mm. Right. And, and, you know, that again, going back to this topic that we brought up a couple of times, you know, sense of self-introspection, right. You know, a sense of personal empathy, like, okay, well, yeah, you know, people don't know that I'm actually not great at X, Y, Z topic or that, you know, this really bugs me. Right. You know, just not only having that type of self-introspection, uh, but being able to identify and vocalize it on the spot. You know, I, I, I've always found a whole lot of value in asking a question like that. Another really good one. Thank you. Final one, my man, then we'll wrap this thing up. We have found that the greatest leaders never get done with, uh, with the improvement process, just like what our whole episode today was about. Sometimes what that means is leaders are readers, not always, but sometimes that's what that means. Is there something that you would suggest our listeners consume? And I don't care if it's a book with pages you turn. I don't care if it's a, if it's the audible on it. I also don't care if it's bite-sized chunks like a blog or a, a podcast that you follow. We just got done talking about searching out for places to improve. Is there like one of those things that you would suggest our listeners uh, start consuming? Oh man. Um, so I'm a big fan of, of audiobooks. I'll admit that this might sound like heresy. I don't, um, read a whole lot of sales related books, but a lot oh. of that is due to the fact that day in and day out, what am I doing? I'm talking to hundreds of sales leaders at a time. Um, that being said, if there's one resource, one book, um, that, that I recommend everybody read in the space would be the transparency sale by Todd Capone. Todd Capone. Yeah. He's been on our show. I endorse that. If you have not read Todd's book, get your hands on it now. I agree. Yeah, he has um, a book coming out, The Transparent Leader, which I believe is coming out in March, which, you know, that, that, that'll be the, if I could pre-order it, I'm going to. Um, if I could get a copy from him before it hits the shelves, I'm going to. That, if history is any guide, that'll absolutely be a must read. Love it. All right, man. Uh, any final thoughts for our listeners? It's been a killer uh, conversation. I, I knew it would be great. It was even better than I thought. I'm super appreciative to you. Uh, before I give uh, ask you how they get a hold of you and connect with you, any final thoughts that you'd share with our listeners today around this topic? Um, no, again, I'll just reiterate, I hate to sound like a broken record. Ask for help. People are going to be willing to give it to you if you ask for it. Beautiful. Matt, how do people connect with you? How do they learn more about Sales Assembly? How do they pick up what you're putting down. I follow you on LinkedIn. I love the stuff that you share. Uh, how do people con continue that conversation and connection with you? Uh, well, you're, you're one of the few. Um, no, yeah, people people can find us, of course, at, at salesassembly.com. They could always hit me up on LinkedIn. As I said before, I'm extremely online with respect to, uh, to LinkedIn. And you're always more than welcome to send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at salesassembly.com. I love talking with everybody. Right. So regardless of who you are, what you're doing, how you're doing it, if you want to connect with me, we'd love to have a conversation with you. All right. He's Matt Green. He's helping people learn the power of perspective by being intentionally successful, helping people throw gas on that fire that uh, as they lead their companies into high growth mode and beyond. 
Matt, it has been my pleasure to have you on the show. I'm, I am grateful that you'd be willing to join us. And as I say to everybody, man, at the end, happy selling. Yeah, you too. Thanks again, Rob. This was great. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. If you're like most sales leaders and you've been left to figure out your leadership system on your own, I'd love to talk to you. Because while there's no shortcuts to success, you absolutely will get there faster if you take the most direct route. Listen, we do three things for sales leadership teams. The first is our community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United, found on Patreon. If you like the content of my podcast, you're going to love the content in Sales Leadership United. Think of it like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's got my very best content, over 100 hours of training materials, all organized, indexed in a way that makes it easy to find everything you need in Sales Leadership United if you want to have an elite sales leadership system. Second, we provide group training for sales leadership teams. This is a really immersive three-and-a-half-month group training that has eight sessions helping you on the journey to becoming an elite sales leader or an elite sales leadership team. And my third solution is one where you really get to have the one-on-one coaching experience with me. If you've never had a coach in your corner, now is a really great time to give it a try. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline invest in themselves. And the leaders I'm coaching, they're all having the best years of their career as we find those small improvements that create huge impact. So save your most precious resource, your time. Small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And the fastest way for you to get where you want to go is to have someone on your team that's walked the road you've walked. So find those little improvements that create massive results. Find those small advantages that are game changers in your career and hit me up today. Now I want to talk about perspective for a minute. Perspective is a really elusive thing for a sales leader. You know, once we get promoted into sales leadership, we're expected to kind of have lots of answers that we've never been taught before. We get focused on our goal. We get focused on our team. We get focused on our challenges. We get focused on our opportunities. And a very common thing I hear is that sales leaders are in the loneliest position in business. Maybe you felt that way before. I know I have. There's a lot of pressure, right? And uh, while most companies invest heavily in the sales process, in the sales tools, in sales training, very, very little is done for sales leaders. You see very few companies with sales leadership systems, very few companies with sales leadership process. You might get some generic leadership training, which will be good, but you don't get the specific sales leadership training. I have this conversation with people every single day. And what happens is that leaves most sales leaders having to figure things out on their own. And that was one of the reasons I was so pumped to have Matt join us today. He and the sales assembly team helped sales leaders solve this problem in a couple of really important ways. Perspective can be a really hard get for a sales leader, okay? It's there if you search for it, but man, you, gotta, you do have to search for it. Matt was really quick to point out that salespeople prefer an introspective leader rather than the know-it-all that just does their own thing. And I think he's right. Many times I've shared I have my 21 laws of sales leadership. Law three is one that almost every sales leader has to face down at some point. Here it is. Sales leaders on pedestals make easy targets. The best sales leaders stay off that pedestal. 
There are several attributes that help a sales leader stay off the pedestal. Matt nailed three of them. Okay. Now, listen, this is a great episode. I, I listened to this episode a couple times as I was getting ready to produce it. I, I liked it more and more the more I listened to it. This is like a fine wine. It gets better with age. Or it's, it's like your favorite book or your favorite movie. You never get tired of reading it. This is that kind of episode. Okay. Matt shared his observations of sales leaders who are good at staying current through introspection. Here they were. Okay. Number one, willingness to find feedback on different topics related to what they do. Matt called this a thirst for knowledge. I loved it. They never stop searching for what's working, what others are having success with, what they can do to up their sales leadership game. They don't put that on the back burner. An example of this is in one of my very favorite sales VPs that I work with. He schedules a demo with at least one vendor of some different sales technology every two weeks. Um, And even though he's not necessarily actively looking to buy that tech, he is actively looking to learn. He says it's one of the most important uses of time that he spends because it keeps his creativity flowing, it keeps him finding new ways to do things, and it's helped him stay current as a leader. He wants to know what the latest tools are doing so he doesn't accidentally get left behind just because he happens to have the blinders on. So we got to pull those blinders back. That's one good way of doing it. Matt gave us some other good ways of doing it. We need to be intentional about that. Number two, Natural curiosity. This is a big one. I believe it's one of the things that leads to the most success in both sales and sales leadership. They like to dig just a little. They like to learn, to grow, to expand. So you should ask yourself, are you curious, George? You know, that phrase, curiosity killed the cat. It's, it's, It's crap. Are you curious or are you just going through what you got to do? And so my advice is find ways to dig in just a little and learn just a little more, which takes us to introspection. If you don't have a process for how you do introspection and reflection, you should find one and apply it. My favorite is still Garland Vance's. If you don't know what I'm talking about, find that episode on the podcast. It was our number one downloaded episode of 2021. He suggests daily or weekly reflection and then asking three questions. Question one, what did you accomplish and what are you proud of? Number two, what did you learn and why was it helpful? And number three, what will you do different as a result? You'll find those not only just help you like be grounded, but they're actually really energizing. Anyway, I love Matt's list. These three things were, were money. And, and the reason that I think this is the minute we stop choosing growth is the very minute we will begin to degrade in our effectiveness with the people that we lead. And once you choose growth, then everything becomes feedback. That's a really interesting thing I've I've observed. Once you have this growth commitment, everything else is feedback. Um, What you get in your coaching is feedback. What happens as you learn from wins and losses? It's feedback. It's never final or fatal. And, and, And even, I mean, there's so many things that become feedback points for us. Even our, our relationship with metrics, it's just feedback. That's all it is. Once you get to that world where everything is feedback, you're going to find that your effectiveness just takes off at another level. So I want to start to wrap this one by reminding you that perspective is hard to get, but you need to find it. Peeling back the blinders is a big deal. And I think Matt's right. You have to be intentional. It can only be done if you're intentional. And that's one of the reasons communities became an important part of this conversation. Communities have popped up all over because there's such a need for perspective. 
Now, there's a lot of communities. There's some premium communities. The sales assembly, they have a lot of things they offer. One of them is a community. They have other things that are important for you to go be aware of as well. But that community is a really valuable asset. It's an insanely valuable asset. There's some other good ones out there as well, but the sales assembly community is a great one worth checking out for sure. There's also some free communities. Rev Genius is my favorite example of that. Of that. So is Scott Lees and Amy Volus's community, Thursday Night Sales. I've had leaders from Rev Genius. I've had Scott. I have had Amy both be on the show. You will not go wrong participating in any of those. There are also some communities that are really focused on different elements. For example, I have a community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. You can find it on Patreon. Mine is really focused only on the sharing of content or education. So it's content that you can use for your own development as a sales leader, content that you can use to help you be more effective in your role, and even ready-to-go, made-for-you sales meetings that you can use to have better sales meetings. That's just an example. Each of you will be at different phases in your sales leadership career, and you should be picking communities with intent on what will you know each one will help you develop. But this is something you do need to be intentional about. LinkedIn is loaded with people that want to help, but I've found there's way too many self-proclaimed experts there that haven't necessarily walked the road that you need to walk and just want to be kind of at the end of the road because they said they are. So here's my advice. Never stop looking for mentors. Never stop looking to learn and grow. Be intentional with your personal development. Do not leave it to chance. And if you have the power of perspective, it will help you lead. It will help you create greater impact and avoid mistakes you don't need to make. And if you find that those people will help you, I'm sorry, not, not if, you'll find that those people will help you chart a course you'll be excited about that you'll achieve faster than you ever thought possible. So don't go it alone. You don't have to because you're not alone. There are tons of people and tons of communities that will help you see just a little farther out that will shine light in places that are right now filled with shadows and will help you succeed at levels that you want to get to, but you'll just get there faster. So reach out, ask for help, invest in yourself because you're worth it. Maybe my favorite piece of advice that came from Matt today, ask for help more in 2022 than you did in 2021. You'll be surprised how much that will help you and how much faster that will get you where you want to go than you think possible. It's a huge difference maker to find those relationships that will be catalysts in your career. Matt, my man, thank you so much for joining me. You and the work you're doing at Sales Assembly is so awesome and so necessary. I'm so appreciative to you for their willingness to join me and share some insights with sales leaders all around the world. My advice is to reach out to Matt, connect with him, check out his work. He'll help you advance your sales leadership career. Matt. I can't thank you enough for joining me. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please do me a favor and give us another five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give me is to share your episode, share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite, live strong, chase your passions, and don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. 
The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.